I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Invitae is changing medical practice by bringing genetic testing into the mainstream. The company says it seeks to aggregate most of the world's genetic tests into a single service with higher quality, faster turnaround time, and lower prices than many single gene and panel tests today. The company recently announced new additions to the genes it tests for, representing a major expansion of its panels for neurology, pediatrics, and rare diseases. We spoke to Bob Nussbaum, Chief Medical Officer for Invite, about its expanded test, how the company is able to maintain its low price point, and the implications for rare disease patients. Bob, thanks for joining us. Okay, my pleasure. We're going to talk about a, a significant expansion of the testing that your company, Invite, is doing and the significance of that, particularly for people trying to find out whether they have a rare disease. I, I thought you could begin, though, with a, a brief overview of the company for listeners who may not be familiar with it. What is Invite? What does it do? So Invite is a genetic information and genetic testing company. We're, we're quite young. We're only uh, about five years old, but really only began to offer um, significant uh, genetic testing. Uh, in 2014, uh, we are a, a company that is uh, dedicated towards bringing uh, uh, high quality and medically responsible genetic testing to patients and providers. Uh, we are not a direct-to-consumer company. We are a diagnostic company, and we work in partnership with patients and their providers. Um, the, uh, the company uh, is really focused on the idea that genetic testing should be accessible and available to everybody who needs it, that, is, that there is a uh, major role to play for genetic testing in medical care and in people managing their health, uh, and that we should be able to do that in a way that is uh, extremely uh, high quality and yet uh, quite affordable. He likes to use the term that we we would like to be the Amazon of genetic testing. Uh, what does that mean? It means that we would provide um, an aggregation of lots and lots of different genetic tests, so people with many different needs for genetic testing could all come to one one place to us, uh, and that we could do that in a, and we could provide that information. Uh, in a very uh, high quality, but also um, economically or financially uh, accessible way. Part of the problem with the ge genetic testing industry as it, as it currently exists is that it's very fragmented, so that there are a few laboratories that offer a lot of different tests, and then there are other laboratories that offer more of a niche or a boutique set of, of tests. Some laboratories will not accept third-party payments at all. Uh, others will. Uh, some will only um, only go with institutional billing. Uh, whereas, uh, oh, and I should mention that uh, it's quite difficult if you go online and go to a number of different uh, commercial laboratories or academic laboratories. 
and try to understand what are they actually going to charge for a test. That's often quite difficult to find out. But what the website will say is uh, call the lab and inquire. And, and so that there's a lot of variability, I'd say a lack of transparency. Whereas with Vita, we essentially have three prices for everything we offer. They're out of network, and there is a lot of administrative overhead that we have to go through to bill a third party payer. The, the test costs $1,500. And that doesn't matter how many genes are tested for a particular indication. Uh, if you are getting genetic testing for a particular problem, let's say hereditary breast and ovarian cancer, uh, different people have different opinions as to how many genes need to be or should be investigated for someone for that indication. Uh, and so we don't, um, uh, we don't uh, charge more if a provider feels that a larger panel is more appropriate for his patient or her patient than uh, a smaller panel, smaller number of genes. So we charge $1,500 regardless of the number of genes in the panel for any one given indication or out of network. Within network, or if there's institutional billing, which still has some administrative overhead, but much less than the out of network, we charge $950. And if a patient wishes to simply pay for the test him or herself using their own credit card, then they will sign up with us, give us their email, and agree to allow us to recontact them, um, we will offer the test for $475. And once again, regardless of the number of genes. So it's completely open, transparent pricing. Invitae seems very deliberately to call itself a genetic information company rather than a genetic testing company. What's the yeah. significance of that distinction? Is there an effort to leverage the data you have beyond providing individual test results? Um, th there is, but I, I should want to make sure that we leverage uh, advisedly here. So we are one of the labs that participates in the public database called ClinVar where we put all of the variants we find and our interpretation, what those variants mean, uh, into a public database where they can be looked at, evaluated, compared with um, other laboratories uh, or research laboratories, um, evaluations of what those variants mean in a completely open and transparent way. Um, so we are not hiding or keeping private uh, the results of the testing that we do, although I do want to stress that no identifiable patient information is ever released. So this is purely non-identified variant information with our interpretation. So there's no, um, uh, no crossing the line in terms of, uh, of HIPAA. But at the same time, we also feel that if we could serve as a clearinghouse or, a, or an honest broker, some, some approach that you can think of, uh, describe it, where we could help bring patients and their providers together with researchers or with uh, biotech or pharma companies who wish to try to recruit people for um, participating in clinical trials, that we would be able to be a clearinghouse with the proper consent and not bothering anybody who chooses not to be bothered. So I also want to make sure that that's absolutely clear. We would like to serve as such a clearinghouse. We are prepared to do that, uh, but we are not 
reporting patient information. We are not monetizing historically getting a test for a genetic disease has generally been a one-off process is is that correct what what normally happens yeah so or, ordinarily what happens is that uh, you know you you, you go to a provider a clinician or a genetic counselor and uh, there's a particular reason either your own history or your family history that would point to a need for a particular genetic test you have the test and the report comes back Here's the issue. With genetic testing, it's not always a black and white answer. Yes, you're carrying a mutation that causes disease. No, you're not. There's a third category. Third category is you're carrying a variant which is different from the reference. Now, the reference is not the normal human genome. Plus, there is no single number of billions of human genomes on the planet. Each one's different. Each one has its own of variation. So you will you can find variants that have never been seen before. It may be very rare. Uh, and we actually don't know whether those variants cause disease or not. Those are reported back as what are called variants of uncertain significance, the BUS. And every laboratory finds them, every laboratory is is uh, duty bound to report those variants back. They are not clinically actionable. You do not manage patients based on those variants. You don't uh, submit people to invasive surgery or ongoing medical surveillance on the basis of those variants, but you note them. And what we are, are what we do, and what we are preparing to do in an even more aggressive way is to maintain a relationship with the provider and the patient to understand what those VOSs are, and when the, our interpretation changes, and the VOS reinterpreted as either being not disease-causing or disease-causing, which eventually we expect most VOSs will get reinterpreted, we will be able to return that information, even if it's years from now, to the provider and to the patient, if the patient and the provider still have an ongoing therapeutic uh, clinical relationship. Um, but primarily back to the patient. Because we believe very strongly genetic information belongs to the patient. It's ultimately their information. Before we get to today's news, in general, what is Invite's vision for changing the way genetic tests are done and how does that test work? Yeah, so uh, I'd say a number of ways. Um, first of all, our, our test menu is extremely flexible. So it's possible for providers, particularly the ones who are perhaps a little more sophisticated on the, in the way of genetic testing, to be able to custom design panels, sets of genes that they think are appropriate to be tested in their own patients. At the same time, we have panels that are really designed uh, for specific indications to help perhaps somewhat less sophisticated providers who still wish to use genetic testing. And we can guide them and help them figure out which panel to use, including panels that we call guidelines, which is a panel that is, in which the genes on it are those which are highly recommended for a particular indication by um, uh, reputable sources, such as the NCCN guidelines in cancer, or the heart rhythm in the American College of Cardiology uh, for uh, cardiology panel. 
We also um, have sets of genes that we call preliminary evidence. These are genes where there is some information in the published literature that mutations in this gene may contribute to a particular disorder. But it's not been nailed down. It's still rather preliminary. We don't automatically throw them into a panel. Um, we set them aside. We call them preliminary evidence genes. And we make them available if the client and the provider wish to test those genes. They're there. They can have them. But they have to recognize that they are preliminary evidence. We like to have a three-way partnership with, uh, with the patient and the provider and, and our laboratory to help them pick the best test for them to use. And in doing so, and doing it in a completely price-transparent way, with rapid turnaround time of two to three weeks, that we can um, uh, provide a level of service and a method of, the, of delivering that service that is most effective and most helpful to providers and patients. So, I mean, genetic testing, in many ways, is a mature field. The technology is not. Technology has been changing rapidly. But we think the real key to being excellent as a genetic test provider is the service. That's how I think we change the field. Let's talk about the news. You recently announced a significant expansion of the diseases you test for. Walk me through that and, and what it'll mean, particularly for the rare disease community. Yeah. So um, if you look at the indications for genetic testing in, in, in the United States today, you've got this large uh, set of patients who are being tested because of hereditary cancer and many, many laboratories, particularly after the um, fall of the patent, Myriad patent in 2013 in front of the Supreme Court, um, laboratories, including our own, um, began offering hereditary cancer testing. And that's, that's a big market. And there's a limited number of genes that we know of. We're talking about five or six dozen that contribute to hereditary cancer. There's also a set of genes that contribute to, to, to certain hereditary cardiovascular. And these would be, uh, there's perhaps uh, a dozen or so conditions that are either arrhythmias or, or heart muscle problems. And there are uh, over 100 genes that can contribute to that. Once you go past hereditary cancer and hereditary heart muscle and, and rhythm problems, uh, you have this very large set thousands of conditions that are all, in general, rarer than the hereditary cancer or cardiovascular. There are many, many genes. There's what one often can refer to as a long tail of a distribution of lots of genes for lots of different conditions. And that's where the market has been very fragmented, so that um, it's difficult when a patient has had a rare pediatric disorder or, or a rare neurological to be able to go to one lab and have comprehensive genetic testing for that condition. And that's really what we have introduced today, uh, is uh, a, a going from a little over 600 to over 1,000 genes now that we're offering, where a sizable chunk of this long tail has now become available through Invitae. Not that a lot of these genes are not available elsewhere, but we've aggregated them in one place, 
and we're bringing it into our same model of excellent service, low price, fast turnaround time, and a very responsible and reputable uh, uh, method of doing our testing. And, and your ability to add all these tests without adding to the cost of, of the process, is this a, a function of the falling price of genome sequencing, or is it something that special that your company is doing? It's a combination of things. I mean, I, I think we are certainly benefiting from a next generation sequencing technology and how that has driven the price of sequencing down. But at every point in the company, uh, there, there's a very careful process analysis and process evaluation that we're able to uh, maintain very high quality but drive the cost of goods and services down while, while doing so. I mean, genetic testing, uh, the sequencing part of this is only a, fr a fraction of the total cost of delivering a genetic test. There's many other contributors to that cost. And we worked very hard at making them all efficient without quality. I mean, I, 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 I quote, quality cutting. I'd like to point out that we have had, I, I'd say, a certain issue, which is that people tend to think that because our price is low, we must be cutting corners. We must be doing something um, that's not as high quality as labs that are charging two or three times what we charge. And that is absolutely not the case. We have the highest quality genetic testing available anywhere. Well, for many people with a rare disease, getting a, a diagnosis can be a, a very long odyssey. It, it's also a, an area where getting that diagnosis fast and, and starting treatment could have a, a huge impact on outcomes. How do you see this changing the landscape for? Sorry, for, you dropped out there. I'm sorry. So getting an early diagnosis can also have a, a huge impact on your outcomes by by starting treatment yeah. early. How do you see yeah. this changing the landscape for people with rare diseases? Yeah, I, I mean, what I would like to see happening, what I think I see happening now already, is genetic testing is moving from being sort of a when you have run through dozens and dozens of other less less comprehensive or less incisive tests. So we're moving genetic testing from being the last thing you do to being one of the first things. And we should get the genetic testing started and done early because it, it, has, a, it has a good chance for many conditions of really um, explaining what's going on and doing it rapidly and efficiently. I think that's a major change. There's also, I think, an important point that I'd, I'd like to make, which is not really something that many people talk about. There is um, a lot of action going on now in the cystic fibrosis uh, community as well as uh, other neurological disorders where um, very specific treatments, drug treatments, are being developed that are dependent on you knowing what is the particular mutation and what gene are those mutations occurring in order to use those drugs properly. So these are what we call genotype-driven uh, therapies. What's interesting about many of these therapies is they're, 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 they depend on what the, what the change is, the mutation. They also depend to some extent on, on the gene, but they don't really depend that much on the disorder and that you can address some other disorders by using 
same medication that have certain effects. And if you have a medication that helps one particular protein fold properly so that it now works when it wasn't working before, that same medication may cause other proteins in other conditions to also fold properly and begin to work when it didn't work before. So I think there's going to be a crossover. Interesting. For the development of some of these medications. But we're not going to be able to use them properly unless we know the genotype of the affected patient. So I, I feel very strongly that particularly in the rare disease community, patients and their doctors should start making knowing the genotype of the affected person a baseline piece of information that everybody should have. Invitae spun out of Genomic Health, which was a revolutionary diagnostic company for personalizing cancer therapy based on genetic profiling. What I think Genomic Health did that was unusual at the time was really invest significantly to establish the clinical evidence for the value of its test. Has Invitae followed that path? What have you done to validate the test? Yeah, so we are, we are well, so uh, we, have to, we have to think about this on three levels. One is what we call analytic validity, which is how accurate and precise is the test? Can we actually see what's there? Second is, um, if we find something in a particular gene, what is, that, what is the impact of that variant on the function of that gene and on the health of the person who's carrying it? And then the third is what we call utility, which is, even if you've got it right, does it make any difference to the patient and the patient's provider? Does it change management? Does it alter the, the, the life of, of this patient who's had testing? Um, and we, we work on all three levels, analytic validity, clinical validity, and clinical utility. We just published a paper, uh, two papers actually last summer, one in the Journal of Microdiagnostics and the other in the uh, JAMA Oncology on hereditary breast and ovarian cancer. These were all done in collaboration with other, other um, academic groups uh, at Mass General and Stanford in, in particular, where we showed that we are, are very able to find uh, mutations in the hereditary breast and ovarian cancer gene. Uh, and furthermore, that if you span the number of genes you test beyond just the, the big two, which is BRCA1 and 2, to a, to a panel of other genes, that have been demonstrated to have clinical validity in this condition, you actually increase the yield of people who test positive and you alter their management in a way that benefits them in terms of their health. So it's just clinical utility in using a panel. And we have a number of other studies ongoing now that are looking at the clinical utility of pediatric testing in epilepsy, in the primary ciliary dyskinesia, a number of other disorders. So it's a, it's a big part of what we do. I think it's an important contribution. How have payers viewed the test, and is, is this something they're willing to pay for? What's that conversation been like? Well, that, that conversation is ongoing, and uh, I, I frankly am not, I'm not, that, um, uh, I'm not uh, the best person to talk about that for the company because I'm really not that closely involved with those issues. Uh, you know, the, the, the payers want to do, my impression is the payers want to do the right thing. They do not want to waste money, but they also don't want to ignore important things that can be done for the, their clients, for the people who insure with them. So we, we're having ongoing discussions with all the major players uh, in the, third, the uh, payer community.
and uh, I would say I, I'd say the conversations are actually quite um, they're quite encouraging. Uh, I think that's probably all I should say about it. Bob Nussbaum, Chief Medical Officer for Invitae. Bob, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.